Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Kronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the orc countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! You are attempting to track Sylvia Tome, the science gnome, uh, and her party um, away from their crashed cloud skimmer, a uh, sort of low-flying airship um, that you've been uh, resting in and recuperating in. Um, Maka had uh, attempted to locate gnomes um, within kind of uh, a a more local radius and found none. Uh, So instead you're left to uh, kind of more traditional tracking means. Uh, Now you had assumed that uh, Sylvia's party would be heading to the observatory, 
Would you be trying to track in like a, knowing that it's been two weeks and it rains all the time. So tracking will be a complete nightmare. Would you attempt to track and see if they went somewhere else or would you, your plan right now to just be going to the uh, observatory and seeing where you, what you can see from there? The plan as we discussed it was heading towards the observatory, but keeping an eye out for like cast off equipment or bodies, like stuff that would still be there that could suggest a different gotcha. direction. Perfect. One thing that might uh, help or not, Tom, I'm, I'm going to leave this to you to rule sure. because I did a quick research and it's basically sounds like the general consensus is let the DM decide, but locate creature is a concentration spell up to one hour. Mm -hmm. um, and so people have made arguments for and against if you don't locate a creature at the time of the spell casting, it doesn't necessarily fizzle out. It can sometimes basically be just like radar. And then as soon as something enters your 1000 yeah, foot perimeter, that. it pings them. And then that's the spell. Sure. I'm happy to take that. That's I, I, whatever you want. Well, no, I, I think that makes sense also with the way we've been talking about it, right? Which is like reaching out with your understanding and a clear kind of platonic ideal of what a gnome is in your mind. Um, it would make sense to me that as long as you're willing to dedicate the concentration that you could walk. I mean, yeah, that. if we get into a fight, I'll, I'll drop it for sure because sure. almost all of my spells are concentration spells. <laughs> I keep trying to find <laughs> other stuff to offset it. Um to get a bit of a balance, but a lot of druid spells are, are concentration-based. Mm. That makes sense. No, 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 I, I like that a lot. Okay, great. So um, with that in mind then, yes, as you begin to make your way, um, you uh, start to kind of work your way to, through the trees toward the observatory. What I would ask is for stealth checks um, to account for trying to um, get around the, uh, the bolts. Uh, I would also like a survival check from all three of you, please, uh, mm -hmm. with advantage... I think, Maka, you can take advantage on this as well, just because being an amphibian creature, being wet isn't really an issue for you. Actually, no, fuck it. Maka, you can skip it. Um, but for Duncan and uh, Ita, with advantage because of your cool pants that Duncan made you. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. fuck me anyway. So we're just, so we're just doing survival? Uh, I need we're survival gonna roll two and checks, stealth. But and stealth, okay. Yep. So five for Duncan for survival, because fuck me. Would you like to use your inspiration, sir? I already used it in the combat with the monster, and I had advantage, and I rolled a three and a two. Did you this, use uh, your new point of inspiration you got for making the pants? No. Can I roll a third time? I'll allow it. This is an important <laughs> check. <laughs> okay, then I'm doing great. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's a dirty 20. Great. Um, yeah, it would be weird that... <laughs> The things you lovingly, painstakingly made and received inspiration for didn't work for you. <laughs> would be a real yeah. dick in the dick. But it uh, worked for Ida. You know, that's the balance. Yeah. Did it work for Ida? <laughs> I also rolled a three and a two. <laughs> Guys, I think I five. made bad pants. I think and that's the lesson. Can I give Ida my advantage that I have, uh, my inspiration that I have? Actually, banked? I do have a point of inspiration from last. last roll uh, These pants are inspired. Thing. Hey, 17. <laughs> That's what I rolled on my third die, too. Hey, oh, twinsies. <laughs> Something weird going on at that house. Pants, 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 <laughs> pants, pants, pants. I'm trying to figure out a, a portmanteau of inspiration and pants, like inspiration. Inspiration. It's real fucking rough. <laughs> Guys, it, come on. They're inspiration. Inspira pants. They're Inspira pants. That's the that's the brand. That sounds like a, a an outdoor trekking company uh, line that would have existed in Canada in like the late 90s. Like you got roots, you got Inspira pants. One dollar yes. of all of our purchases goes to undoing the damage we're doing by making these pants. <laughs> <laughs>
Great. Uh, all right. So wearing your own spirit pants, uh, you managed to um, stay, stay dry and stave off that uh, exhaustion that you both almost had. Jesus Christ. Um, all right. Uh, and then I need stealth checks, please. Not, not at advantage. No, 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 no. They're inspiring pants, not stealth pants. 12. One, two. Uh, seven. Seven. Seven also. For Maka. You are not a stealthy party. No. Nope. Um, uh, Duncan, you are feeling much stealthier because now you've got pants that uh, keep the water out. Um, so as you kind of like quietly and slickly move your way through uh, ghosting, as you, you mentioned it earlier, through the uh, the trees, you just hear like galumphing and, and cracking and like occasional like swearing in French and uh, muttering in Maka. Um <laughs> And uh, realize that you won't have much luck sneaking up on anything. Uh, so there will be no magical surprise rounds if indeed you encounter bolts. And let's see if you do. Rolling on his bolt chart. Mm-hmm. His bolt table. Uh, you do not. Um, so the bolts, uh, you've got enough, particularly Ida, with your uh, extended observation of them. You have enough of a sense of what uh, to dodge. Duck, dip, dive, and dodge in order to make your way. Nice. Uh, through um and yes I just, sure enough, I just break dance through the through yeah, the yeah, trees exactly. yeah, in yeah. these oversized pants just just like uh you know you're you're the villain of oceans 12 just break dancing yeah. your way past lasers Perfect. and shit um <clears throat> you make it uh a, a sort of a ways into the jungle um closer to the observatory when maka your uh your ability pings um, and uh, you kind of briefly get a, uh, a pull toward both the observatory and the northeast. Um, the uh, the observatory got you first, so that's the one that's kind of burning bright in your mind. Uh, but for a moment, you you got a glimpse of both. I think Maka will raise a hand just to let everyone know that he's got something, uh, and we'll turn to the group and say, um, "In my divining for." Gnomish presence. I have found gnomes to be at the observatory, but there is also a presence that way. And I point to the northeast, equal in distance. Hmm. They have split up. Hmm. Do we approach the observatory, assuming they have the key and have entered? Or do we seek out this other encampment or group? Hmm? Tom, was it the Northeast Tornado Country? Yes, it was. Oh, they, what do you think, Anita? Well, I was thinking that if we hit the observatory first, then we may be able to observe the uh, other gnomes uh, from a window or... Higher place of elevation. Mm. And if there is a way to turn the storm off, we might be able to just turn off the tornadoes before we go visit. Niv said the top of the observatory is no longer visible from the clouds. It is possible that gaining the necessary altitude to see will put us above the clouds, and thus we will not be able to spot these gnomes. All right, here's my question. Why do we want to go into tornado country if we know it's away from the other 
fuck me, they probably dropped the key. Fuck, fucking ass. All right, so I can think of one reason why they might be over that way. <laughs> Parker says, what is it? <laughs> well, if you were part of a falling ship that, per se, a key fell out of, and you were making your way back, you might send a camp to the observatory to wait and meet you, and then send a smaller number of people into danger to retrieve the key. Um, Ida, can you roll me an insight, please? Totally. Uh, or an investigation. You can pick. Depending um, on whether you would lean on wisdom or in, uh, intelligence for uh, random I insight. Intelligence. Um, yeah. 13. Uh, okay. You have nothing to add. That you wouldn't have had just from your own thinking. No DM gift for you. <laughs> or a bunch of dead people fell out of a ship and they seem sort of like a gnome to your weird feeling senses. Do you know if they're alive? Uh, I would say because when I cast it at the wreckage, the gnome corpses didn't set anything off, that that would be enough for Maka to say, uh, the gnome giant detecting now. Alive. For now. But I vote we go save them. I agree. Perhaps they are alive and the, the person at the observatory maybe has left them behind. I do not know. Duncan, can you and uh, Maka, you as well, roll me insight, please. Natural 20. Ooh. Duncan starts to think and then just sees a glint in Maka's eyes and looks at the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> um... Maka, uh, although it is very, very hard to get your bearings uh, in the Valley of Eternal Storms, um, based on the trajectory uh, you saw, um, the ship would not have passed over the Northeast um, okay. on its way in. So even though you've kind of decided your, your course of action, um, the odds of people having fallen off to their death or important items having fallen off is low, given that the ship uh, was felled on its way in from uh, the west rather than in from the east. Maka will will say, um, hmm, based on the nature of the crash site, it would not make sense for gnomes to be present in the northeast sector of the valley. They must have moved there on foot hmm, with intention. Yes. All right, so if they're, how far away do you think they are? Like a thousand feet. So he, would, he would just say like a brisk walk. <laughs> like just oh, like oh, well, a short then, journey. Let's just go get them then. If it's like five minutes, let's do that. Mm, good, yes. Great. Um, so uh, abandoning uh, the lighthouse, uh, the Spiros Observatory, uh, you begin to make your way uh, towards the northeast. Uh, as you go, the nature of the rain changes. Um, you are finding um, uh, that uh, obviously it, uh, where it was previously um, kind of falling upward at the same rate it was falling downward, uh, now it's starting to come on a bit of a diagonal uh, on its way to horizontal. Um, the wind is whipping much faster and harder here. Um, 
uh, living on a street that is a wind tunnel uh, because hmm. of all the tall buildings on it can attest to this. It is a weird, different experience when there's just wind whipping at you from, from all directions. Uh, the parachute pants are like fluttering um, around <laughs> your legs. Um, but it is a, uh, it is a different feeling. It's much colder here as you begin to move. And sure enough, uh, the nature of the foliage begins to change as well. Due to the, um, the strong winds, you're starting to find more and more of those um, trees that are bent and um, that are, uh, um, that have the branches no longer kind of jut out at, at standard angles. They've been warped by wind. That said, um, the wind is changing direction so rapidly that it's not like they're all bent to the left. It's like they're all kind of battered in weird directions. So suddenly things get very susical. Um, you start to enter a, a much more Tim Burton-y realm of trees at odd angles. Those that have survived are kind of you know, bent and twisted and, you know, roots exposed and, and other things. Um, the ground itself um, is also um, in some ways easier to move on because the water doesn't have time to settle. So the dirt is wet, but it's not as muddy because the water is just kind of constantly being blasted around. Um, but uh, yeah, you can see um, the, uh, the sort of uh, funnels reaching down uh, ahead of you. You can hear the wind whipping louder and louder. Um, and as you make your way towards where Maka painted the gnomes, you uh, find one of the, um, the small nursery pods uh, that you saw identified uh, earlier um, on the 3D um, sculpted map. Um, these pods are, you can think of them as almost like... Um, small clamshell um, buildings uh, that have been built as kind of a, a place, like almost a, almost a, like a roadside fruit stand kind of situation, but with a clamshell cover. Um, from what you, you understand uh, from the visitor center, these were meant for anyone who was uh, actively trying to revive crops here or grow plant samples. Um, from the vibe you got, um, part of the Valley's original intent was if, uh, a species is in trouble or you're having a bad growing season or you just need to really nurture a plant of some sort, you just bring it here and use, knowing the clockwork cycles, you could just kind of grow it. Like if it needs a little bit of rain, you just keep it hidden for a long time and reveal it, blah, blah, blah. But it's a, it's a surefire way. Uh, mm -hmm. It'd be like an almanac farmer's dream because you could literally just be like, cool, it needs exactly this much water. Fucking A, I'll bring it out three times a day and we're good. Um of course, it's been disused for some time. So there's uh, certainly some um, debris in it. There's kind of a, a felled log. Um, there's obviously a lot of felled trees in this area because of the wind. Um, but as you approach it, um, I think possibly aiming to take refuge for a moment or two um, on, on your way, um, you see um, there is a, a, a body, an old, old, old body uh, in the um, inside the clamshell. Um, kind of uh, folded over a, a broken crate um, kind of in the corner. Um, as you approach, uh, you kind of step in out of the wind. And this is like stepping again into like um, almost a, a, like a door frame on, on a busy street. Like it's not great cover, but it's a little bit of cover. So the three of you sneak in and um, yeah, you find uh, a, a body. It seems to be um, a, uh, a an orc. Uh, from what you can tell, just in terms of uh, the uh, the honestly, the teeth are probably the biggest giveaway, um, and the frame 
Um, wearing a, a very different jumpsuit from the ones that you saw uh, off of the Gnomish vessel, um, or rather the uh, Apex Institute vessel. Uh, it's crewed by goblins as well. Um, but uh, wearing a, um, a think like um, uh, like a Best Buy employee kind of outfit. So there's a vest, mm-hmm. like very clearly a vest um, and like a collared shirt. Um, there's a, a torn um, windbreaker jacket um on the corpse um and um it uh has a uh, a logo that says um uh just the letter d underlined twice uh which is uh, also on the broken crate next to it uh what's in the crate because duncan would definitely go look to see what's in the crate um in the crate you find um broken glass um, they seem to be uh, a lot of um, broken, what probably would have been bottles of some sort, um, but they're fancy bottles. They'd be like uh, in modern parlance, like perfume bottles. Um, so presumably potions would be your guess. Um, when the crate collapsed, uh, whatever was inside it was was shattered. You can see the wood, despite being kind of rotten, um, is stained in a variety of colors. They're faded, but uh, whatever was in this uh, crate clearly stained uh the wood um there are um labels amidst the the broken glass unfortunately um the ink is is long gone um from from kind of soaking uh, in the water and the body is is like old and kind of desiccated like it's it's an old waterlogged body that's clearly been here a, a long time i think duncan will turn back to mark and be like Marka, how much longer before we get to the fucking gnomes? Because this is getting bad really fast. Uh, if I've still got my locate creature up, um, how much further? They're, they're not far. They're not far. Uh, I would point out, like, it's technically not that far a distance, uh, yeah. ultimately. But in this weather, it is. Mm-hmm. A yeah, it's punishing every step. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Duncan's concern is just at the speed of escalation of wind. It's like how long before everything's a tornado? And the answer is not that far. So that's his yeah. his tracking. Uh, and and Maka sort of over the, the din of whipping winds and things like that will say, uh, it is not much further now. All right, is there anything either of you need from the dead guy in his collection of broken glass? Well, I mean, how did he die? I mean, that's Gwendolyn's voice. I mean, how did he die? (laughs) (laughs) You're the scientist. I kill things. I don't figure out how they died later all that often. I I just want to, like, run up to the body just so I can can see. I mean, like, was it strangled to death? Like... Give me uh, an investigation, please. Okay. Uh, 24. Um, so, uh, in he, look, he wakes up to tell you his tale. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, yeah. In, uh, in looking at the body, uh, quickly, uh, you're a little bit surprised, uh, to find an orc, uh, out this way. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, uh, I mean, and I know we've talked about this before, but um, things like Apex, uh, the Orc Countants of the Empire of Numbers, there are um, uh, there are certainly um, nations that are predominantly one species or another, but um, it's in no way monolithic. It's not like, oh, you're an Orc, congratulations, you're an accountant now, because that's madness. So yeah. um, it's not uh, outside the realm, which is kind of surprising. Um uh, in quickly looking at the body, um, Ita, you determine that um, 
even just uh, as as desiccated as, as it is, it looks like a malnourished body. Um, it's not mm. bloated. Uh, it is like uh, almost kind of that mummy vibe of, of like it was pretty uh, clearly malnourished by the time it died. Gotcha. Um, in examining it, uh, you do find um, shards of glass in one of its hands. Um, that uh, seem to, um, you can't find like evidence of a bottle or anything, but if you were to venture a guess, it probably drank one of these potions, mm. uh, possibly out of desperation. But yeah, at a, at a glance, um, this thing looks like uh, uh, whatever, whoever they were, they were in bad shape and yeah. um, probably took refuge from the winds in here and it didn't go particularly well for them. Mm. Is there anything else you would want to determine from the body? You rolled very well. I mean, I don't, I, whew. can I just check it, like its pockets and stuff to see if there's any, like, if it has. <laughs> What's in its wallet? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, no, that's fair. Um, you pull out uh, a soggy document um, that's been folded over neatly um, that is, uh, you know, protected by the elements enough by the suit that it didn't fully disintegrate um but it is very it, it's illegible um as you can see it now there's uh the faintest hint of um of uh the word house uh, spelled h-a-u-s uh at the top um with kind of curling script but beyond that it's it's hard to read um that said at a glance um it looks almost like a shipping manifest mm. um or or an, an order manifest this is to your accountant's eye, um, probably like honestly a delivery slip. Uh, yeah. All right. Look, I've been. <laughs> I just kind of ho- hold it up like that says everything. <laughs> like a dripping yeah. paper handkerchief. Can we go save the norms now? Uh, yes, I suppose. I can't hear you. You have to yell. There's a lot of wind. Yes. Let's move. Okay. Um, (laughs) Duncan, uh, can you give me an insight there, bud? Uh, 15. Okay. Um, You may have already clocked this, but in the off chance you didn't, um, this does match one of the... uh, House DD. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, just want to make sure you had that. Uh, I, I thank you for reminding me because it'll make sure that it sticks in the character's head, not just mine. So good. Yep. <laughs> um, but also not not your prime concern. Great. Uh, so you force your way back out into the weather and uh, make your way forward. Um, the winds don't get much worse uh, than they are, which is nice. They're still bad, but they're not uh, too too much worse. Um, as uh, you you make your way forward and. Um, Eventually, you come to uh, a clearing, um, and you can smell uh, uh, burnt wood, um, and not just kind of in the, the casual way, like the it reeks of of uh, burning, and there's ash whipping by you as you approach. Um, and you see that uh, uh, sort of ahead through the trees, you can see a blackened um, sort of rectangle of space that has been cleared, um, where uh, whatever was there has been completely uh, burned and obliterated. Um, and you can see the glint of metal um, and the crackle of uh, green electricity. Um, there's a uh, a large kind of field tent um, 
as you would see kind of in a military that's been set up, it's whipping in the wind. Uh, and you can see um, uh, gnomes uh, and goblins kind of um, running to and fro with, with their green uniforms, mm. um, opening fire and yelling. Not toward you, but away Like from you. the uniform on Sylvia? Yes. We saw yeah. the doll? Okay, because I'm like, Duncan would recognize that. And he's like, oh, wait, looks like we find the science people and they're at war. Shall we assist? Uh, do we do we see what they're firing on? Uh, you're looking through the trees from distance. Uh, no, they appear to be firing okay. uh, in the direction away from you um, towards uh, towards something. Um, I think, Duncan, at this distance, this would look like a pretty clear zone defense kind of situation mm-hmm. where if we're using our Jurassic Park metaphor, it's a little bit of the like, they're attacking the fences. Uh, like you see them um, running. Um, they seem to be um, wielding uh, metallic crossbows that are firing um, kind of like uh, charged shots. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, of kind of uh, screams of panic. Uh, and as you watch, um, lightning uh, bursts forward uh, and there's a massive crackle of green electricity off the, uh, the sort of coils they've set up. Um, and uh, quickly, uh, two other goblins run in. One of them like lobs a small orb that explodes um and uh there's three more crackles of green electricity as whatever is striking the barrier does so uh and then suddenly a spear of yellow light strikes through it and uh blows one of the goblins apart dum dums and dice would like to welcome you into a world of darkness and vampires with blood and syrup a vampire the masquerade live play podcast featuring ryan laplante as the gangster ridley beef Tyler Hewitt as the conflicted detective Everett Fry, and Megan Miles as the poet Iris Dunn, with storyteller Tom McGee. Join these newly turned vampires as they try to take control of Montreal, but all is not as it seems, and as their humanity slowly slips away, they are forced into increasingly dangerous situations as the streets of the city run red with blood, and sticky with syrup. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here, New episodes available weekly. Ha, ha, ha. Maka wordlessly puts a hand on Duncan's shoulder and casts protection from energy (laughs) and (laughs) says, it would seem now is the time, Duncan. Duncan just gives him a nod and will take off at a sprint to go help these fucking goblins. All right, uh, let's get some initiative, please. 16 from Ida. One for Maka. <laughs> Ten for Duncan. So Ida gets to go right away. Duncan has to stay to get the spell on him and then take off. Uh, and- I feel like, Dun- Duncan, you're off running. Um, Ida, would you sprint into this or would you let Duncan go first? No, oh, I'd sprint in. Um, largely yep. because I was so fucking useless in our last battle. That- Fair enough. <laughs> it's a bit making right. up for it a bit. So um, you book it forward and reaching the edge of the clearing, you can see that um, the uh, the stars team is set up um, four uh, pillars uh, at each corner of this clearing, this burnt out clearing. Mm. Uh, the tent is in the middle, um, although it is close to blowing away. It is clearly a, we set this up because this is what procedure is and we may be fucked up uh, kind of space. <laughs> um, 
the uh, the pillars um, at the corners are uh, Tesla coils. So massive um, kind of orb uh, at the top and then uh, kind of a, a curling metal coil. Um, and they crackle again with that greenish uh, electric energy. You can see a bunch of cables running into the tent. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you can also see, Ida, I think at a glance, that these things are uh, like well and truly overtaxed. Um, like right. the, the field energy is clearly dissipating, um, as you book it kind of to the edge of the clearing, um, you can see that, uh, the, the ground that's burnt is in a perfect rectangle. So someone clearly did this mechanically. This wasn't, right. wasn't just random, uh, slash and burn. Um, and, uh, to your horror, um, beyond it, you can see sort of these, these swirling funnels, uh, in the near distance, uh, but nearby, um, there are six bolts um, attacking the fence um, and two Myrmidons. Okay. What do you do? All right. Well, one at a time. I cast a droid analysis on the Myrmidon. Right. That's math I can get behind. Um, okay. <laughs> And uh, forgive me, I know we go through this song and dance every time. What do I need to roll for that? So you don't need to roll anything for it. So what I'm doing is I'm analyzing it um, for, it's just a bonus action I have, uh, analyzing yep. it's like fight movement patterns and fighting style. Um, and for one minute, I get to add um, uh, my intelligence modifier. Great. Uh, as my, you... my attack bonus, and I get to help anyone else attacking. Ah, excellent. Well, do you have... two people per turn, yeah. Do you have ranged weapons? Do you want to attempt to attack any of these things? You are currently on the yeah, outside I, of this. I field. do have a hand crossbow. But would you engage or would you wait until kind of everyone is there to party? Either option's fine. I'm just curious. Um I think I would like to ready that action. Mm. So I think I will kind of hold um essentially until until a creature is like actively threatening someone or until everyone is like basically around me and caught up gotcha all right so yeah duncan you're you're raring to go but you get that sweet sweet maca hand on and you can just see the spores spreading across your cloak and it's like oh i gotta go but (laughs) yep um you know it's like getting a a pit change in the middle of an indie race you're like i hate this but i do need new tires so (laughs) um and then you are off running yeah, I think seeing that at the edge of the from the edge of the clearing, uh, he'd look to Maka behind him and just be like, "Can you drop a shitload of animals on them to fight while we pull the gnomes the hell out? Because I don't think they're gonna hold this." It will sacrifice your protection, Duncan, but I can. All right, well, let's make sure they're cool with that, and then you drop something, and we'll all run. We can hold the rear guard. Mm, yes. Uh, then yeah, he's gonna dash into that tent. I'm, assu- is it, I'm assuming it's not like a wall of energy that'll hold us out, or can we see that, or how does that work, Tom? Um, no, you get the sense that um, you do have that like Dr. Grant moment of I think throwing a stick. Like I think you run up and Ita <laughs> like very quickly and methodically in a way that I think Duncan actually makes you like her more. Just immediately tells you everything she's observed about the attack patterns, and based on that, you know that the this energy field seems to literally prevent energy from entering it uh but there it's not like a crackling green field it's like the coils are up 
And whenever one of the Myrmidons or one of the bolts attempts to rush it, it focuses kind of energy on them. So no, you feel like you throw a stick through it. Nothing happens. You feel like you could walk through it easily enough. It's not meant to keep people out. It's meant to keep these out. He wants to dash inside and be like, friends, it looks like you're not doing well in here. What if we all just run for the observatory? Also, I'm Duncan, whatever. Um, And uh, you see a goblin who's just like throwing off his uh, jumpsuit just like uh, similar to what you did earlier, just the full like Bruce Almighty like throwdown. Uh, he's just in tidy whiteies um, with like um, the electric uh, ex- exclamation mark you saw on the uh, the base of the um, uh, bobblehead, mm. um, and he just picks up uh, an axe in each hand uh, and he turns back and he says, "Sorry, chum, there's science to be done." Uh, and then he just lets out a blood curdling scream and just like runs through the fence. Um, one of his friends goes down on one knee. He just dogs purposes off the back uh, and does a full like McConaughey um, axe leap from uh, Reign of Fire uh, into the lightning and starts uh, slashing away. I think Ida kind of turns and yells to Duncan like, oh yes, it's field work. <laughs> All right, so I think at that point he needs to take in this situation again. I think yep. that puts Duncan a bit of back. There was a field that was failing. There's a suicidal gnome. What the fuck does it look like from inside the tent? Because he's worried he's missing something. uh, Are you in the tent or are you just within the field? I guess within the field. So that whole sequence happened within the field. You're not inside the tent yet. Um, Within the field, yeah. Um, There are uh, a number of gnomes and goblins um, firing on these, uh, these electrical monsters. They're working with the efficiency that I think, Duncan, you would recognize as kind of like when the Dawnbreakers were doing their job particularly well. Um, So there is just a sense of like, yeah, they're kind of on the edge of getting their asses kicked, but as you're watching their tactics, there's panic in as much as it's an important thing, but they are in no rush to leave. Like they are very clearly staying here. Um, And you can see from the way they're defending it, um, it seems they're trying to just keep the creatures away from the tent seems to be the main uh, goal that they're doing. And uh, they're going down. Like, people are dying uh, in the attempt. Um, But they seem to be actively um, kind of specifically trying to keep uh, the the electrical fronts up uh, to buy buy time. Okay, well, Duncan doesn't believe in dying for science. Uh, So he would like to go check out what's in that fucking tent. Um, all right. Um, so you uh, rush forward um, into the tent, and uh, as you run in, um, a uh, immediately um, uh, a gnome just turns around, uh, just full like max pain, low spin, um, comes up uh, with uh, a gun in each hand, uh, kind of to to block your entrance. Um, the tent is small, uh, but you can see a lot of scientific equipment set up. Um, there seem to be a, a few reactors um, that are are charging something. Uh, and amidst them all, um, you see uh, Sylvia Tome, the science gnome. Uh, she's got her goggles down. I uh, think Kate McKinnon is um, a Holtzman in uh, Ghostbusters Answer the Call. So, like, just kind of shock of hair, um, working uh, busily. Um, she's got a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and is, like, humming a tune. 
um, as she like quickly like wrenches things. And she seems to be working on uh, what essentially looks like a weird science guitar. So it's just like a massive, like it's got a long neck. It's got a big body. It has strings and it's wired in through heavy, heavy cables to all of these weird generators. Um, and she just says, yep, yep. Everybody just keep them away. We're almost there. Everyone we're operating maybe 70 cent, maybe uh, 80%, but you know, neither of those are good percents, right? So we're just going to keep plugging away. Just keep shooting. Hey, I hear Stabo went out. Let's hear it for Stabo. And there's like various like, yes. <laughs> Um, and she's like, great. All right. Um, listen, going to need, need more jewels, need more jewels. Uh, and then she kind of like turns, uh, over her shoulder, cigarette dropping kind of casually. Um, and she's like, oh, Hey, who the fuck's that? Um, and, uh, the gnome with his guns in your face says, yeah, who the fuck are you? My name's Duncan Kindano, first of the Dawnbreakers. Okay. You talk to Eta. She'll make sense of this. Eta, huh? you science. I shoot. And he's just going to go. Mr. Bang out, join the defense. Uh, as uh, as you run out, uh, you just hear, like, yell from the tent, is there a Mrs. Kindano? Because if not, <laughs> we got to talk later. All right, assholes, let's get some more power going. Um, Ida, you, uh, I assume, enter the field? Yes. Great. Uh, yes, yes. We'll find out what happens in a moment then. Uh, Maka. Yes. Uh, Maka will cast uh, Shillelagh uh, and... Use uh, symbiotic entity to beef up, and he will run out to uh, the fray. Great. Um, so I think we'll say then, um, if Duncan is running out of the tent towards, uh, I've got this drawn in a cool, like isometric angle, but that's completely useless for theater of the mind. So uh, using our traditional north, south, east, west terms, um, or uh, up, down, left, right, as we may get to, um, the tent is obviously in the center. We have pylons at all the corners of the uh, rectangular burnt-out field. Um, Ita, you're currently sitting uh, at the south uh, line of this yep. uh, this rectangle. Duncan, you ran into the center. You're now running to the west uh, wall, which is the perimeter that's being attacked. North and west are being uh, assaulted right now by bolts. Um, but Stabo and the rest of that party are fighting on the uh, the west. Um, so Maka, given that you're running in, would you skirt the perimeter to join the fight as quickly as possible, or would you run in and kind of back up Duncan from within the pylons? Uh, within the pylons, I think, yeah. Okay. To help maintain his protection as well. Okay, great. So uh, we'll say you, you rush up to meet Duncan because you rolled so terribly. I'll say that's the, the best you can do. Um, top well, of the yeah. round, um, uh, Ida, you step into the field. Um, you're heading for the tent, but Duncan, or no, you have first initiative. Uh, what do you do? You've been told by Duncan to help, dot, 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 question mark, exclamation mark. Um, uh, Use yeah. science. <laughs> He'd be I, like running past and just pointing you towards the tent. That's all <laughs> Duncan's giving you. And and I I do so. I, I just full like blow open whatever door or flap is there. Yeah. You actually have to like lift it up because the front yeah. of the tent okay. is up front, but like it's flapping so badly that it's really <laughs> just lifting it a few inches. It's like, uh, hello, I'm here. I'm here to help. Hello. Uh, you step in and in, in slow motion, wind whipping her hair, uh, cigarette dangling from her lip. Um, <laughs> Sylvia Tome turns, holding a giant scientific electric guitar. Um, and uh, through her goggles, uh, she uh, kind of cocks an eyebrow and says, huh, it must be my birthday. Interesting people raining from all over the story. Hey, what's your story? And then she like leans over. She's like, no, 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 more, more, more power, more power. 
No, take the safeties off. What are you doing? What are you doing? What have I taught you? Come on, power, power, power. Oh, you are so cool. <laughs> um, and uh, the the cigarette like spikes <laughs> spikes to the air, and she kind of like drops her goggles in vaguely like a Tignataro Army of the Dead kind of way. Uh, gives you a glance and winks, and she says, "Always nice to meet a fan, particularly such a pretty one." Hey, listen, uh, you know how to uh, turn a knob? Yes, I Good. do. She like just points with her foot. She's like, "Start turning that knob. Don't stop till it says 11. I will do whatever you say. <laughs> Drop to the knob, uh, and um, <laughs> she just kind of chuckles, uh, and she's like. God, I love fans, right? And like the rest of her team kind of like laughs and uh and uh like a goblin rushes over um and is kind of like screw like as you're doing that, like um a lot of the cables are like hissing and spitting and like threatening to come loose. So he's just sitting there like wrenching them back on, and mm-hmm. he's like, honestly, that's why half of us work here. Um, and uh slowly um uh, you can hear kind of the uh the guitar powering up. Uh, meanwhile, outside, uh, Duncan, um, Mock is at your side. Uh, you've reached uh, the edge. Um, the uh, Goblin Barbarian is is hacking away, uh, but is being struck repeatedly by lightning, which isn't great for him. Uh, so you see a lot of him being like, it's it's very much like a, a Thor fight, where he's just being like blasted by thunder into a tree and then getting up and kind of like sighing and rushing back in with his blades up and getting blasted away again, getting up and kind of fighting his way back in. Uh, the rest of them are firing into uh, the Myrmidon and the three bolts who are attacking this wall. The others are still being held off on the north wall by the field, though you can see the um, one of the coils that is kind of supporting the west wall and the north wall is starting to spark and fail. Okay, so Stabo and his team seem to have this at kind of like an impasse over here, or are they? Losing? Yeah, so the north wall, north wall is being held just by the field and by like a couple of gnomes who are are like opening fire. The west uh, wall is threatening to fall, and uh, the creatures are starting to get through because there's just more of them attacking this wall. So Bam. Stabo is basically doing his, he's doing what you would do, which is like. Okay, well, I'll just tie it up as long as I can. You guys get as many hits in before I die as you can, and we'll see where to go from there. I like this Stabo guy. All right, so yeah, we'll we'll join Team Desperate Defense on the West. There's how many bolts and how many Myrmidons? Uh, so on the West Wall, uh, there are, uh, I think I said three, but there were six in total. So we'll say there are four bolts and one Myrmidon, and there's one Myrmidon and two bolts on the North Wall. All right, he's going to go in and dance with the bolts because that feels about right. So I think he'll... Uh... He'll open fire with Mr. Bang twice on the way in, just kind of unload yep. both barrels. Uh, and then it's just going to be rapier out, dance around, pull focus, because yep. the gnomes don't have magical market defenses. And happily, um, because they've already put in some damage, these aren't fresh bolts, uh, nor right. are they fresh myrmidons. These are these are things that have clearly been in combat for a while. Um, so, yes, you have four, four bolts around you. We'll just go one, two, three, four. Um, they all look a bit rough. Great. Uh, he's going to swashing point this because this is pretty desperate and he has new friends to impress. Plus he can't have Stabo showing him up. So <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of this. Uh, he actually, I think dashes forwards and doesn't need to a dog's purpose. He actually just soars over the gnome lines in like a flip and then comes down, sweeping the Cape around through electricity. Uh, and then just bang, bang, it's two shots on his way past and he comes up with the sword when he's done, but let's see how those shots worked out. Do they already count as engaged, Tom? Will this be a advantage? Yes, absolutely. Stabo is very much engaged with all involved. 
So there's an 18 to hit on the first one. Yep. And uh, 25 on the second one. Yes. That will hit. Um, given that these bolts are looking rough, I assume you're shooting two targets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be hitting one on one side and one on the other. So the first one will take 15 damage. Okay. And the second will take uh, 16 damage. Okay. Uh, they yeah. both drop. Cool. Great. And then the rapier's out, and he's just kind of flashily defending himself, sl- swinging his cloak around a little bit because he can't really use his cape mm. the way he intends. So it's sort of like a shadow puppet of a gigantic coat with a b- sword coming out of it. Right. Love it. Um, all right. Um, Maka. Uh, I think Maka will will hang back and try and fight from distance again, casting Chill Touch on just one of the bolts, one of the small ones. Sure. Uh, just kind of all about taking pieces off the board, sort of. Makes sense. Uh, what do I need to roll for that? Uh, I need to roll to ah. hit the bolt. Gotcha. I rolled a five plus, what is it? A uh, total of 13 to hit. Which I have right on the money. Do it. Oh, lucky me. They have AC Eight. 13. Uh, 2d8 necrotic damage there's an eight on one and a two on the other 10 damage 10 damage um all right you reach up and kind of like crunch around one uh mm-hmm. it's still up but uh ah yes the gnome hits so as you kind of like the hand grasps it um you can tell the damage isn't quite doing it um but then a, a gnome just runs in for that like john wick close range shit uh, and just kind of like power slides in and just opens up with the the crossbow at at point <laughs> Blank, just like screaming, like science, <laughs> um, and the uh, the bolt dies. So you have one okay. remaining bolt and a myrmidon on this side. Um, bringing us to the bolts. Um, so uh, you two are the uh, you two and Stabo. Oh no, actually, Maka, you're still in the field. So uh, Duncan and Stabo, you're the only ones outside the field. So the bolt is going to take its attack. I think on you, Duncan. You're you're making a big show of it. Yep. Um, okay, it will hit. So get ready to use your stupid shitty don't take any damage from attacks things. Um, it will do. Oh, wow. Yeah, bolts. It's been a while. Deal with Myrmidon so much. Later. <laughs> It'll do five points of damage. Plus, I think Duncan's just get it. Oh, let's I, see what the plus is. Uh, plus six. Um, uh, yeah. That's reduced by your protection from energy. <laughs> yeah, which is. It's 11, becomes 6. Uh, I think he'll just take that one because he's he's fighting this guy, but he he's willing to take small hits because he doesn't want the Myrmidon to come in. Oh, 100%. No, no. Yeah, uh, yeah I was like, I'm going to roll many dice. Yeah, they turned out to be nothing. Um, cool. And then the other one is going to... Or, sorry, the Myrmidon is actually going to attack Stabo because Stabo is currently like running around inside the Myrmidon, uh, as you do. Uh, so that's... Oh, balls. I rolled a one, a two, and a seven. Um, so uh, it fails horribly uh, to hit Stabo. And um, I'll say, Duncan, you can see it's so distracted, similar to when uh, Maka managed to kind of like sparkify it um just by stabbo being inside and having lightning striking his little axes 
like he's not doing a great job of hurting it, but he is doing a great job of unsettling it. Um, yeah. So you'll have advantage against the uh, the Miramadon if you choose to attack it in your next round. Um, right, and then against the north wall. Um, all right, the um, uh, the coil um, uh, bursts into flame. It's still mm. active, but uh, clearly this uh, this field is going to drop somewhat soon. Um, back to the top of the round, um, we have Ita. Um, Ita, uh, you have uh, cranked the knob that says 10 up to 11. Um, there isn't much to do other than hold it. The entire machine before you is rumbling. And you just hear Sylvia um, swearing rather creatively saying, come on, come on, come on. Why isn't it working? Uh, and you realize something is wrong with uh, one of these machines. How do you want to try and determine what's wrong? Um, I think this just, this is like, Ida's like quick look around, like it like just going to like, she, she, she just has to like take in everything like this connects, mm -hmm. this connects, this, connects, and then this, like, it's basically just her being like, okay, what is the pathway? Yep. And like, all right, first fix, like, check first check each path in the, the each step in the pathway like sequentially is what she's going to do cool give me it's a, just like the most methodical way yep that makes sense uh i need an investigation please okay ah uh, not 20 holy shit yes um so you leave the knob um and you quickly follow cabling uh and having watched the uh the goblin quickly try to wrench everything you realize that there are a lot of unstable connections mm. and i think um rapidly looking around um you you find similar to like a bad audio jack there's a small thing that's just slightly out of place like it just isn't quite in um so grabbing that um you kind of like wrap your hand around it uh see again the exposed um head of the uh the connection uh and just jam it as hard as you can into the um uh into the outlet uh meanwhile outside duncan you have advantage what do you do so i am fighting a bolt a am i fighting the bolt and the myrmidon i just want to make sure that they're I all in a clump correctly. so now there's right. only one bolt left and the myrmidon's so like technically you're fighting both um yeah. they are both engaged uh, the Myrmidon is engaged with Stabo, certainly. Uh, the Bolt is a free agent. It might get a free hit on you, but you're kind of both in close combat now. So it would yeah, likely just I count as like a, a melee. So likely not. Then he's like, Duncan's going to jump into full acrobatic attack. We're talking backflips, a bunch of other movements. His rapier's two-handed. Uh, it's more just that while he's engaged with a Bolt, the only thing he can defend himself with is the fact that he is rapidly and unpredictably moving mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. his lumpy, wind-blown coat. Uh, and he's being this kind of flexible and bouncy because he needs to land with two feet to be able to use his full weight for two-handed strikes before he hurls himself into his next um, big movement. So it's like bounce, bounce, land, big sweeping strike, bounce, bounce is kind of his his whole pattern. So he'll be striking the Myrmidon uh, and he will be swashing the shit out of this. He and Stabo are going to do this. No one gets to have more flair. Uh, just somehow find strike. yourselves back to back um <laughs> but there's no even acknowledgement of it. it's just that quick like nod over the shoulders um yeah love it first <laughs> strike is a 19 to hit uh yeah barely but yes it's 18 in case you're wondering oh perfect and the second is a 28 uh yes <laughs> 
Wonderful. Uh, and then we're into the wonderful land of damage. The first strike will do uh, 13 magical uh, bone rapier damage. Yep. And the second will do 15 for a total of 28 uh, magical rapier stabs. You hit like a fucking brick, sir. That is when a good I need amount to. of damage. Yep. Great. Limited number of turns. <laughs> Fair. Um, all right. Um, great. Uh, brings us to Stabo. Uh, Stabo's raging, as you'd imagine. Oh, man. Stabo, why you got to roll so bad? Uh, but he does hit with two of his attacks. So it's not nothing. It's also not much of something. So, <laughs> oh, uh, but those are good rolls on D10s. Uh, so he does 14 with the first one and 13 with the second one for a total of 27. It's one Ooh. point off, but Duncan wins by one point of flair. <laughs> yep. uh, understood. You got a real Legolas Gimli thing going. Uh, we're like, he's seen your flair. So now he's juggling the axes as he does the strikes. Uh, it doesn't help the strikes any, um, but he's just kind of doing it. Not even in like a, ah, look how cool I am way. But in a clearly being a professional and seeing you be a professional, it's like, oh, cool. Let's both be the most awesome version of this we can be. Also, like he is lightning wrecked as shit. So you also get the sense it's kind of like, a, I'm going down. I'm going down looking good. Um, I, like this. I like this now. Great. Um, Maka. Yes. Um, I. Uh, I think I'll stay back just just because that's I'm I'm playing a support kind of thing. I don't want to take a hit and then now Duncan's like compromised as well. Can you roll me uh, uh, an insight there, sir? Sure. Or uh, let's make it a perception. Sorry, not insight. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, Eighteen. Eighteen. Um, you can see Duncan and Stabo kind of doing that classic like back to back, like rolling over each other's back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's fun watching a goblin and a human fight kind of like back to back because it's kind of like back to mid ass. Um, but um, they are working well together. Um, but you see that Stabo is looking pretty rough. Yeah, so, that's what I was thinking as well. Okay, cool. Great. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to give you that option. Yeah. Um, that's going to actually necessitate me to come out anyway. So mm-hmm. I'll come out past the protection of this field. Um and uh, uh, I mean, he's raging and stuff like that. So, uh, like, I don't want to just like wordlessly lay a hand on his shoulders. So he just turns around and like hacks my hand off. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, you, you could know. you could just pick him up. He's small, so you could well, just grab him by the shoulder and pick him up, so he can yeah. keep stabbing. But like, <laughs> I'm just gonna basically like wave as I'm running to him, both hands, and then uh, as I approach, I'm just gonna lay a hand on him wherever I can, just like on top of his head, even if it needs to be, uh, uh, okay. cast Cure Wounds. Cool. So he'll, as you approach, um, he kind of like shoots a quick look to you, Duncan. Yeah, no, he's good. All right. Uh, for science! Uh, and he just starts flipping his axes uh, and spinning them um, and basically just like drops to a knee in front of you, holding his like bald little goblin head out to you to touch while spinning the axes to kind of keep lightning away from him and you as much as he can. Um, his like awesome. fingers are real crispy, like he's burning up. Like, this is not a good strategy for a long thing, but for a barbarian, it is fine. Um, so yeah, you just run up and clamp a, a hand over. Uh, yeah. his let's head. cast it one level up. We'll cast it at level two then, just for some extra juice on it for him. He needs it. <laughs> uh, so that's beloved dead NPC 2d8 plus my spellcasting modifier. So yeah, 
Uh, so that's 15 on the dice. Uh, oh, plus nice. another eight. 23. Uh, Jesus. 23 points awesome. of healing to him. Ooh, like a wrecking ball of health. <laughs> um, all right, great. So uh, he desperately needed that so that I will adjust his health accordingly. <laughs> it's better than the single digit he was in. <laughs> um, so he uh, suddenly, like, uh, as he's spinning, um, suddenly the, the blades become more dexterous. Um, and he kind of looks to his fingers that are no longer crispy. Um, and uh, he's just like, hey, thanks. Uh, you're all right, portal man. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I got stabbing to do. Um, and then he'll just like sweep, do that like knee slide thing uh, to try and hack uh, at uh, one of the pillars to give Duncan a better shot. Um and that brings us to the electric monsters. Uh, so the Myrmidon is just getting straight trounced by uh, these two. Um, he's going to do two on you, Duncan, and one on Stabo, uh, okay. just because Stabo was momentarily out of his field of, of interest. Um, and I'm sorry, your AC again, sir. 17. Oh, yeah, that is that is a, a whole bag of nothing from old Tommy. Um, so, yep, uh, neither hits. Uh, we'll see if they get Stabo. Then and no hit for Stabo. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I would like to spend uh, a swashing point and repost, uh, which means if a creature misses me with a melee weapon attack, I get to make a melee weapon attack back as a reaction. Great. Love it. Um, so yeah, so Stabo like slides by on his knees, slashing with, with both axes. It stumbles forward. It strikes, miss you. But oh, it's just a perfect, like you have like a, a triangle of electricity around you. Uh, perfect for reposting. That is an 18 to hit. Uh, yes, right on the money. Beautiful. And that will do uh, 15 magic rapier damage. Nice. It's looking if it's pretty forward, I think he'd hack for the neck. It'd be that up above and like, whoop. Yeah. Great. Um, this one is rapidly arcing the way that the previous one did, which is shooting random blasts of electricity kind of at nothing. Um, you can tell it's badly injured. Uh, unfortunately, the pylon um, near you explodes. Uh, I need a deck save from you and from Maka, please. Oh, Stabo rolls badly, but is healthier, so that probably won't kill him like it probably would have previously. Uh, 15 for Maka. 30-20 for Duncan. Perfect. Um, so as the, uh, the, the column goes, uh, Duncan, I think you just whip your, your cloak up and, uh, Maka, you just turn, you take it on your shell. Mm -hmm. Um, Stabo gets blasted, uh, by the, the fire bounces off a tree with a crack, um, and, uh, hits the ground. Um, his, uh, shoulder is dislocated and he does the, uh, the, uh, rigs thing where he just like screams and starts slamming it into a tree until it pops mm -hmm. back in. Um, but he, uh, as he turns back, kind of like one axe hanging limply, just nods to you, Maka, and he's like, hey, thanks. Uh, that was definitely me dead a minute ago, so total power! Uh, and then he just runs in with the one axe above his head, kind of like limply holding the other one while wincing. It's clearly, you know, classic barbarian rage bullshit where it's like, I'm gonna fight through this, but my arm doesn't work so good now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the the field is is crackling now and breaking. Without that one pylon, uh, the uh, the energy field is going down, and you can see the uh, the Myrmidon and the other bolts moving in. Um, Did the explosion catch our Myrmidon or bolt? 
unfortunately, the fire has little effect on them. Uh, this That's... was more of a, if you have flesh that can be burned, it hurts. If you are made of energy. That makes sense. <laughs> um, it's very hard to put out <laughs> electricity. An electric fire. fire with fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, Ita, um, there is a surge of energy uh, as the pylon blows. Um, and you can actually feel um, this plug rattling uh, in your hand. Um, and you hear Sylvia just say, hey, hey, whoever's doing that, that, that thing with the plug, just keep keep it plugged in. Keep it plugged in. If, if you believe in science and or our survival, keep that plug. Um, and you realize she's talking to you. Don't disappoint your idol. Keep that plug. Uh, I'm going to need uh, either a dexterity or a strength save from you. Dexterity meaning you're going to let it get blown out, and the minute you know it's a key moment, jam it back in, or strength being like you're just going to hold it in as hard as you can. Both could work. They both will serve the same uh, purpose, but... <laughs> I want to make up the tough edge. Or a con. You stick it in your mouth and jam two fingers in the socket. <laughs> like, like, ah! Yeah. Charisma. Uh, you're just like, listen, little plug. I believe in you. Yeah. You have one job in this world and you're doing Stay it real good. There, plug. Don't you want to go to your home? Yeah, this will be a beautiful performance for us both. Yeah. Uh, just remember, if you fail, Sylvia will hate you forever. I know. <laughs> it's fine. She rolls so 520s I'll again have now. have to use Dex. Ten. Um, all right. Um, as Wait, the I don't have anything, do I? Surges and pulses. Um, oh. You you try like there's actually um, electricity arcing between the the head of this plug and uh, the amp that you're trying to plug it into, um, and you try and force it forward, um, but you you know the moment is there, and you hear Sylvia yell punch it and you try and jam it forward uh, but the resistance uh pushing against it is too much and you can't and she yells punch it uh meanwhile uh because you fail to punch it outside combat uh continues um duncan um stabo is running back in looks pretty rough maka's with you the mirror is looking bad what do you do He's going to focus on that big boy, baby. It's that same bouncing business, but he is just, like, not fucking around anymore. Do you know I don't even think he's bouncing. I think he needs this to end. So this is that, like, if you, you think of the, the Japanese kind of sword fighting techniques where it's just, like, a forward almost stomp and then just yep. huge fucking swings, just full body, hips into it. Probably the opposite of what anyone would expect. Like, Maka, this would look weird for you. You've seen Duncan fight dexterously before. You've never seen him fight in a way that is, like, strong and grounded and clearly outside of his style. Mm -hmm. But that's what he's doing. He's using his rapier like it was a great sword. Like, one of those two-handed scary weapons. Um, putting all that sweet swash into it. <laughs> the first hit uh, is a 24 which we know will hit. Yeah, <laughs> quite uh, handily. It, it will do 15 damage. Yep. Uh, and the second is a 23. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it will do 14 damage for a total of 29. Tell me how you and Stabo take down the Myrmidon. I think he sets Stabo up for the win. I think he comes in and it's just like hacking through the torso, cutting out the front limb, 
cutting out the other front limb and then spinning low and slicing out the back leg, leaving Stabo the opportunity to essentially jump off of Duncan into the air and bring the axe right. down on the Mervin. I, I feel like he leaps forward uh, doing like a spear um, with his blades out and just like flying off your back, just slashes through um, and uh, the thing explodes. And then he smashes into a tree um, and falls unconscious. But he, uh, you know, he, he, he got in there. Um, he's very small. He's very mad, but he's very small. Um, yeah, so the, the energy dissipates around you. Um, you have that, like, beautiful Michael Bay, like, finisher moment of being on the ground as, like, lightning crackles above you um, and dissipates. And I think uh, in kind of, like, usually this only happens for like uh female superheroes who have to like flip their hair back up to get the cool look at the end of like a charlie's angels battle sequence but like you do it just with your floppy hat um and look up uh just to see uh the myrmidon like charging in towards the tent um maka um because you're assisting this fight you're actually out for this ita i need from you a very very important deck save You never want to let your idols down um, with all the fear of a disappointed Sylvia Tome in your mind. Uh, you jam the plug in and you just hear seal, 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 seal. And um, Sylvia grabs uh, the science guitar and she just yells, Sylvia Tome, the science gnome. Bitch! And then she just jams a chord and there is a blast of green energy off the guitar, blows out the tent, blows out the pylons, knocks everyone on their ass, um, but in kind of a crackling wave of green energy, um, you just watch the Myrmidon, the bolts, and just kind of this wave crackle out through the trees. Um, vertically, the rain stops. There's a hiss of steam as, as everything is blasted away. Um... And then after a moment, uh, the rain begins to fall again. But now it's like one of those victory rains where she just kind of throws back her head and, and laughs. Um, and, uh, you know, her cigarette's getting wet, but she's do doing that, like smiling through the, the rain thing. Her hair is like plastered over one of the goggles. Uh, and um, she uh, she just turns to you and like takes the cigarette out with, with her two fingers and points at you and says, you are a fucking good fan. Um, and then, uh, she just, uh, kind of like looks up to you, Duncan and, and Maka and, uh, yells, so, Hey, handsome, who the fuck are you guys? And how the fuck can I repay you? Huh? And then she just sticks the cigarette back in her mouth and stands there holding the guitar looking cool. If soggy as hell. This episode of Curse Code and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! 
Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.